Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We trust you had a good weekend and we're glad you've started the new week with us. Your stool is prepared and we have good, bad, and crazy martinis to start off the work week. And uh, Jim, the good martini is news that you have been pushing and I would dare even say shoving the FDA towards uh, over the past uh, number of weeks. And they have officially given full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. And as we're just a few weeks away from uh, recommended boosters taking place, uh, uh, that certainly comes as timely. Here's a couple of quick paragraphs from CNN's coverage of the story. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Monday granted full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for people age 16 and older. This is the first coronavirus vaccine approved by the FDA and is expected to open the door to more vaccine mandates. Uh, The vaccine has been known as the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, but will now be marketed, Jim, as community, as almost as, you know, people who can't say community or something, uh, for the prevention of COVID-19 in individuals 16 and older. So, Jim, um, for those who have been waiting for full approval to to get the vaccine, this is uh, an important step. we're not big fans of vaccine mandates, though, for, so for that to be in the lead paragraph is kind of grating. But uh, what do you make of today's news? First of all, Greg, I say this to Pfizer's marketing department, not to you personally. <laughs> Get out of here with that community, community, whatever the heck it is. You know what we're going to call the Pfizer vaccine? The Pfizer vaccine, <laughs> because that's what we've been doing for more than a year, for almost a year now. Um, that's what it is. Uh, you know, this this is some marketing department saying, we need something. I, I can hardly wait for the people frolicking through meadows of flowers commercial. <laughs> Ask your doctor if community is right for you. Um, this is the most exasperated good martini you'll hear from me in a long while. Because while I'm very glad the FDA did this, I really feel like they could have or should have done this quite some time ago. Uh, and the kind of the absurdity of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration saying, yes, we now believe that this drug is fully approved. Now that 202 million shots of this have been administered here in the United States, you do the math on that, something in the neighborhood of 100 million, because it requires two shots, something in the neighborhood of 100 million Americans are now fully vaccinated with Pfizer. And now it's fully approved. Now, the point that they've made from very early on at the FDA is like, look, there's a difference between emergency use authorization, which is what they granted back in December of 2020, and what they give now, which is the uh, biologics license application. In order to do that step, they have to go and they have to inspect the factory and they have to run longer tests on how people who've gotten it and all kind of stuff. And the idea that it's a much longer, much more detailed, much more extensive process. But for the average American, for the average person, the average layman, it really doesn't make any difference. You should put this vaccine into you uh, at your earliest convenience. Now, the thing that kind of gets to me is like, okay, well, if it's safe enough for people to use, why do you need this separate step? I, I think most Americans see this as binary. Either it's safe to use or it's not. If it is, then you should fully approve it. If it's not, then you should not fully approve it. And the idea of it being in this strange nether region in which it's totally perfectly safe to be approved, but we couldn't give it full approval because that would be rushing things and that would be bad, uh, just has not made any sense. And I think with each passing month and each passing effort to get Americans vaccinated and something in the neighborhood of 30 percent of the people who are unvaccinated said that yeah i might i'll probably be more likely if they give it full approval 
situation. Well, we're going to see in the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, the next month or so, whether that really was a factor or whether these people were just kind of looking for any excuse they could find. But I, I just like, I got the Pfizer as soon as I could get it. Um, I, I think everybody should go out and do it. I do think the FDA was being a little bit ridiculous by breaking up the approval process into two. But this has always been standard. I just think that these the circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic are just different. And it's just, you know, we're, we're up against variants. We're up against this virus that is changing. And unfortunately, our process of giving approval to these vaccines is still moving at the pace of the FDA's traditional bureaucracy. I know in their minds, they're going really super duper fast. And they point out that it usually takes years and years to get this approved. And then in this case, it really took, you know, uh, less than a year and that that's uh, although actually I guess if you go back to when they were first submitting it for the emergency use application back in 2020 maybe it's a little bit more than a year um, probably the best you know vivid example of this is that apparently Moderna has this you know if you would go go get a booster shot now you'll be getting a third dose of the same stuff you already got and it should be perfectly effective there's, there's I don't mean to, to poo-poo this but Moderna has looked at the Delta variant and they've come up with this reconstituted version of their vaccine. And in phase two testing, it apparently just nuked it. It just destroyed it, wiped it out of the system. This, this, you know, this thing they've got, they think is super duper terrific. It probably will not reach Americans for another year because it's only in phase two. They have to go through phase three and phase four. They still have to submit it all for the emergency use application to the FDA. All of those steps are going to take months and months. And Greg, my expect since we're already seeing the peak of the Delta variant in several states, my expectation is we will see the Delta variant gone by the time this Moderna, you know, Delta killer ends up on the market. And it just is baffling that we can't get. We don't have a problem inventing this stuff. We don't have a problem developing this stuff very quickly. We have a problem getting it to people because the FDA hasn't signed off on every step. And it's absolutely frustrating for this. But hey, you know what? If you've been holding out because you wanted a vaccine that was fully approved, congratulations, America. You've got a vaccine that's fully approved. Go out and get it. Be fascinating to watch uh, the Pentagon. They're having a briefing as we record this. They've already said that now that this has uh, gone to full approval, it will be a mandate uh, for the troops. Then, as far as uh, Pfizer is concerned, uh, you, know, you can get your get your COVID immunity, and and they might lose their legal immunity. I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, anyway, lots of immunity going around. Uh, anyway, let's talk about something that's also very good, and that's saving a lot of money for all the shipping that you need to do for your home or your business. Uh, we're getting close to the end of summer now. First day of school for a lot of places uh, in our local area, Jim. Uh, and so things sort of getting back to normal. Still some restrictions in place and so forth. But people are heading out. People are eating out. Our family just ate out a couple of times in the last few days. Some people are headed to the movies. And you can go to the post office, too. But you don't need to go to the post office. That's the great news. You can still do that from home. And you can mail and ship anytime right from your computer, send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates for the U.S. Postal Service and UPS. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving nearly one million small business owners like you time and money. They offer deals that you just can't get anywhere else, like up to 40% off of U.S. Postal Service and up to 66% off of UPS shipping rates. And with their switch and save feature, you can quickly compare carriers to find out the best rates every time. 
So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code 3Martini, all spelled out, all one word, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini. That's stamps.com, promo code 3Martini. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, Jim, back to Afghanistan for our last couple of martinis today. And one of the things that we've come to understand pretty much, even though I'm not sure anybody specifically said it, is that we're basically at the mercy of the Taliban when it comes to people actually getting to the airport to get on these evacuation flights out of Afghanistan. And so Biden did another press avail yesterday. And one of the things he said about the Taliban was this. Hey, so far, they're keeping their word. Isn't that great? And so, so far, the Taliban has not taken action against U.S. forces. So far, they have, by and large, followed through on what they said in terms of allowing Americans to pass through and the like. And I'm sure they don't control all of their forces. It's a ragtag force. And so we'll see. We'll see whether or not what they say turns out to be true. That by and large letting people to the airport is doing a lot of work there, given what he said on Friday about how he had never heard of anybody uh, not being able to get to the airport. And then his own defense secretary had to say, no, Americans have actually been beaten trying to get to the airport. So by and large is, is the new phrase in there. But uh, one of the other questions he got was, uh, will the Taliban agree to an extension past August 31st? Have you discussed that with them? And the president said, we've discussed a lot with the Taliban. They've been cooperative in extending some of the perimeter. That remains to be seen whether we ask that question. But now, uh, Yahoo, with an assist from Sky News here, uh, a Taliban spokesman warned of consequences if the U.S. kept troops in Afghanistan beyond its August 31st deadline, hours after President Biden said he could do exactly that. In an interview with Sky News on Sunday, the Taliban spokesman, Suhail Shaheen, said, quote, it's a red line. President Biden announced that on 31 August, they would withdraw all their military forces. So if they extend it, that means they are extending occupation while there is no need for that. If the U.S. or U.K. were to seek additional time to continue evacuations, the answer is no, or there would be consequences. It will create mistrust between us. If they are intent on continuing the occupation, it will provoke a reaction. And so uh, we saw this on the Sunday shows from Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State yesterday, that essentially, yeah, they're relying on the Taliban uh, to keep their word here, Jim. And so Biden's power, Biden's ability to get anything done beyond August 31st basically amounts to a mother may I. And the answer seems to be no, which the fact that we're in this position is unbelievable. Yeah, look, this, this has been a the weekend did not go quite as bad as it possibly could for the United States, but that's setting the bar pretty darn low. By the way, I guess I should say I'm, I'm somewhat pleasantly surprised that the president came out and addressed, addressed the nation uh, late Sunday afternoon. Um, he did not address, he didn't, was not seen at all in public on Saturday. He was not seen at all on public on Thursday. He was not seen at all in public on Tuesday. We are seeing him about once every two days, and most of the time it is short uh, st statements. He did take a few questions as well, and I think he, you know, generally is better by the exceptionally low bar of what he'd done uh, his appearances in the past week or so. Look, we are, uh, as you said, you know, if it, at this point, how things go is entirely up to the to the Taliban. 
And it is a deeply depressing and disconcerting circumstance for a military that considers itself to be the arsenal of democracy and that has sent actually several thousand more troops to Kabul International Airport uh, over the last couple of days in order to strengthen our forces there, to have greater control of this. There is some reports right before we started taping from John Kirby over the Pentagon saying that we have sent out troops in helicopters to um, uh, rescue some folks, some Americans who are behind uh, Taliban lines, which I, I, is, I'm glad to see. Um, if you have not read it yet, uh, I would recommend, uh, in, in today's morning, Joel, I try to walk through the, you know, the state of things, at least as of this morning. Um, one of the things is worth doing is Brad Taylor. I know him as a thriller writer, but he's been in special forces in Afghanistan, uh, in the, you know, the army for, for ages or 20 some years. Um, and he laid out the, uh, the the process for the military when they're given a national evacuation order. Uh, he was basically given one in the late 90s in Southeast Asia. They ended up not meeting it. I think it was Thailand or someplace where the situation looked pretty dicey and they thought they were going to have to evacuate the U.S. Embassy. We have a playbook for this. We have a procedure. We have this. And basically the message is when it is this situation, armed forces, the State Department, the entire U.S. government has a very clear message to everybody in the affected region. We're getting our people out. We're not really intending to pick a fight with anybody. But if you shoot at American civilians or if you shoot at our forces, we will rain down hell on you. And I really don't understand why the Biden administration cannot communicate that to the Taliban. These guys know exactly how tough we can be. We are the ones who drove them from power in the first place. So here they are, these guys, on the verge of what I'm sure they see as like their grand triumph of returning to power 20 years after 9-11. Though I would like to think the last thing the Taliban would want is to pick a fight with the U.S. again. So that's the that's the somewhat tiny little sliver of of optimism in all this. But as you know, Biden, uh, you know, for once accurately assessed is that the Taliban are not the most organized and disciplined force on the face of the earth. And the idea of some Yahoo deciding, you know what, I'm going to take a shot at the Americans is, is not all that uh, unthinkable. And the second thing is we have had some exchanges of gunfire in and around or around the airport. Um, they think that was ISIS. We're not sure. Apparently one Afghan soldier was killed. Uh, German forces were reporting that, uh, that exchange. Others wounded. You know, it is not a safe place to be either in the uh, Kabul International Airport, just outside Kabul International Airport, and uh, third, you know, and, or, you know, being somewhere else in Kabul and trying to get to the airport. Uh, I have a reader who has uh, worked as a defense contractor in Afghanistan for many years, um, involved in construction, and he said that his his employer, his company, and hire had basically uh, employed thousands of Afghans over you know decades, and so they basically were trying to get every single last one of them they could out because if you are known as someone who has worked with the Americans, they will kill you and they will kill your family. So he's been in contact with several guys over there, and he the, his just he said what he's hearing from them on the ground does not match the rather rosy description you're hearing from the president of the United States over the last couple of days. Also, I had something of a scoop over the weekend. Um, they set up this thing called P2, Priority 2 Visas. And they were for America, for Afghans who, in this type of situation, had worked for a contracting company, uh, in some cases worked for media, worked for a non-governmental organization, um, worked not directly for the U.S. government, but had worked for someone affiliated with the U.S. government and thus were in danger of getting killed by the Taliban. Started this program on August 2nd, not the last possible moment, but not exactly speedy either. And which one of the things you had to do is you had to submit the paperwork to an email account uh, of the State Department to verify that, you know, 
uh, Abdul so-and-so worked for my company from this date to this date, and we need to get him out of the country. So, Well, over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, the emails started bouncing back. The email account for the U.S. State Department was full, and you could not get information into the State Department. Uh, he told me that late Saturday, it had stopped bouncing back. He's not feeling particularly confident about what he's sending to this email address since then, because they're not sending any you know, confirmation of, of getting the email or anything like that. Um, he feels like he, he said, he describes as he feels like he's sending documentation into a black hole. It is not a smooth running situation. And it is really frustrating to see this administration try to gaslight people and almost like Jedi mind trick people and point to numbers. Also note the number of times the administration cites the number of troop, the number of people moved out by the coalition. And hey, good for the Brits, good for the French, good for the Germans. Let's point out that they're the ones who are going into Kabul to get their people. And so far, or up until very recently, we were not doing that. Um, just an extraordinary, exasperating and frustrating situation, uh, Greg. And the sneaking suspicion is we are a long ways away from getting from getting this resolved. It certainly sounds like this is building towards a head towards the 31st of August with the Taliban saying that's our red line. I hope they mean it as like a Barack Obama in Syria red line, <laughs> uh, meaning that it's something we like to see, but we're not really willing to take any action about. And they they may well be bluffing, but uh, if they are not, the ugly situation in Afghanistan could get much worse very quickly. Yes, uh, I saw the story that uh, you broke, uh, courtesy of that source, over the weekend. And then NBC had a story, I'm sure you saw that as well, where, you know, the by and large uh, line from Joe Biden. Well, by and large, uh, the the embassy staff, not too excited about the process of getting to the airport. Local staff members at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul are deeply disheartened by U.S. evacuation efforts and have expressed a sense of betrayal and distrust in the U.S. government. Uh, a cable was sent Saturday and it said memos were sent Wednesday inviting Afghan staff members at the embassy to head to the airport. It told them to take food and to prepare for difficult conditions. Quote, however, no one anticipated the brutal experience that occurred, the cable said. Quote, it would be better to die under the Taliban's bullet than to face the crowds again. Jim, um, that's not quite uh, the explanation, the review that you want uh, from people experiencing this evacuation process. Uh, it's just... Hopefully getting better. The numbers are certainly looking better, but uh, still got eight very difficult days to go here and perhaps more. Indeed. it's. Uh, I think one of the things about my reader that he communicated, he said, I've never been more disappointed in my government. And I think that is how a lot of Americans are feeling these days. And it's just utterly hard. Like, we're used to something like Obamacare not working. We're used to... Things going wrong, things being like, okay, fine, it's government. This is the sort of thing you really need to get uh, right. And and there's no, not only has it got the Biden administration not gotten it right, they've been trying to keep it, uh, they keep sticking to this message of, no, 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 this couldn't have been avoided. This is going as well as it possibly could. There was no way to do it. And it's just... Uh, just exasperating. Yeah, his argument that this would be the exact same evacuation situation if we had started this months earlier is asinine. It's just absolutely asinine. Well, yeah, for starters, the Taliban would not control almost all the country. <laughs> you know, like exactly. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, let's uh, cleanse the palate and think about things that would really uh, make our palates happy, and that's products from Omaha Steaks. 
yes, I have loved Omaha Steaks for a long time. I've been uh, having their products for a number of years now, going all the way back, as I've mentioned, to uh, the first time I got them as a gift when our first daughter was born, long before they were a sponsor. I've had them many times since then, and I'm certainly enjoying uh, the things they're sending as a result of them uh, being our sponsor here on the Three Martini Lunch. I love the steaks. They're so super tender. I love the burgers, which are essentially made from the steaks, and they have a wide variety of other products, too, as sides. you got, they got your potatoes, uh, as your fries. You, they got desserts. I mean, uh, they really have the whole meal ready for you to go. Labor Day is right around the corner, so it's time to get ready for the last cookout of the summer. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code MARTINI into the search bar and order the deluxe grill-out assortment. Now, this includes more than 30 entrees. Now, your favorites could include bacon-wrapped filet mignons, boneless chicken breasts, boneless pork chops, filet mignon burgers, gourmet jumbo franks, all beef meatballs, and of course, sides and desserts. Order it now and you'll save more than 50% and you'll get 12 free burgers, which are basically a steak between buns. Yeah, like Jim said, visit omahasteaks.com, keyword martini, and save over 50% when you order the deluxe grill-out assortment. Plus, get 12 free Omaha Steaks burgers and enjoy the last cookout of summer. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. Man, I love Omaha Steaks. All right, let's get on to our crazy martini now. And as we mentioned, Joe Biden did another uh, statement and brief press avail yesterday afternoon from the White House. And as he took questions, it's very odd still. I mean, he's, he's calling on specific people. And presidents do have a tendency to do that, especially if they're only taking a few questions at uh, you know joint appearances with foreign leaders and so forth. But nonetheless, he got a question, actually a pair of questions from Ed O'Keefe. Um, of CBS News yesterday. The one was whether he can trust the Taliban, since they're essentially counting on the Taliban to honor their word to get people to the airport. But we've kind of discussed that one already. The other one was getting Biden to respond to a brand new CBS News poll, which shows that while most Americans, or at least a majority, agree with the decision to be done with the war in Afghanistan, they're very negative on how this was executed, understandably so. And so O'Keefe asked the question, and Biden goes back to his old stock and trade. And then a question on the public response. A new poll out today shows Americans wanted to withdraw from Afghanistan, but they disapprove of the way you've handled it. Poll also found that based in part on what's transpired in the last week, a majority of Americans, and forgive me, I'm just the messenger, no longer consider you to be competent, focused, or effective in the job. I haven't seen that poll. It's out there um, from CBS this morning. (laughs) <laughs> um, what would you say to those Americans who no longer believe that you're going to the job? I had a basic decision to make. I either withdraw America from a 20-year war that, depending on whose analysis you accept, cost us $150 million a day for 20 years or $300 million a day for 20 years. And the answer goes on and on and on, and it basically goes back to his decision to withdraw from Afghanistan, which was clearly not the question. He specifically said people are upset and very negative on how you've executed this. Jim, he simply doesn't have an answer because there's really not a good one. But the fact that he just keeps going back to the reason he decided to withdraw makes him look absolutely terrible and it makes America look terrible. It does. Uh, look, I think right now I can almost hear all the listeners screaming. This is what we, you know, America voted for. Um Actually, that sounded a little Bidenish. This is what you voted for. You know, uh, this is look. We, we had doubts about Biden's judgment. 
the infamous Robert Gates quote that he's been wrong about every single major foreign policy decision over the last 30 years. Um, past comments about insisting the United States has no moral obligation to help our, our allies. Um, that, ironically, he has a deep isolationist streak in him that uh, you know made him a very unlikely figure to be the man who was going to save NATO and all that stuff. And I think you know, it's, a, it's a very fair question for the Trump fan base right now. Look, it was not good when Trump was, you know, tweeting furiously about Angela Merkel and uh, Trudeau up in Canada and, 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 you know, all these other cases in which he did not get along well with European leaders. But what is more damaging to, to, you know, to Trump's personal attitude towards these leaders or what we're seeing going on in Afghanistan right now? Nothing Trump did caused, you know, members of the UK parliament to be furiously denouncing our own president for, you know, um, Tony Blair's op-ed declaring the Biden decision imbecilic. You know, Trump had a lot of bad moments, but he did not do that. And there was really a sense of like, okay, this is a, um, in the end, like you go back, you know, ideally NATO leaders all get along terrific and they're all on the same page and they all see things the same. But if you look over the history of NATO, it's never been that way. There have always been 10, you know, uh, striking Gaddafi in Libya, the French would not allow us to fly over their airspace. It's not, you know, it's not surprising that you know, the U.S. and its allies would have periodic disagreements. But a blistering defeat, right, a, watching the Taliban return to power and return to its abusive ways and watching terror groups set up camp in Afghanistan again as the president blindly insists that uh, al-Qaeda is gone. You know, all of this is much more harmful to uh, NATO because I think NATO now really feels like they, you know, never. It was one thing to say, okay, one bad president, we can't count on, we don't trust Trump. This is really bad. Two consecutive ones, including one that's a Democrat and a guy who kept running around the stage strutting, America is back. Now I think they really realize they don't can't have confidence in any American leaders. By the way, I think there are reliable American leaders. We just haven't elected one. And you could argue that we really didn't have any good options on the last uh, election cycle. But even Trump, probably the, the other great irony I keep coming back to about all this is that Trump didn't want to stay in Afghanistan, negotiated a bad deal that put the you know, more or less handed, meant that the Taliban were going to take over at some point. He hates nation building, he hates, but Trump hates humiliation. Trump hates the perception that he by extension, the United States have been uh, defeated. So one of the things you kind of recognize that if Trump was in the Oval Office right now, he might be doing a lot of things wrong. But I also feel like there's absolutely no way he would be uh, watching, you know, that, that, that case of the Taliban redemonstrating uh, Iwo Jima and things like that. I think that sort of stuff would have Trump furious and bringing the maximum amount of firepower back upon the Taliban to send a very clear signal to them. No, you don't get to strut around and act like you beat us. We can beat you any day of the week. You know, we're leaving because we want to leave and this is in the hands of the Afghans. So I, I don't know, we'll see how things, you know, it's an alternate history you'll never know exactly. But I think one of the things that's really disturbing over the last couple of days is how much, not just that we have been defeated, we have a leader who has accepted and maybe by even some stretch, you know, by some sense embraced this defeat with, you know, really very little thought for the long-term consequences of this. Oh, and yeah, we'll have opportunity to talk about the long-term consequences. Uh, plenty to say about that. Uh, Jim, just as an aside, given the gravity of the situation in Afghanistan, it's not that critical, but uh, just the phrasing of Ed O'Keefe's question there, where he apologized for being the bearer of bad polling. Yeah. Speaking of the difference between Trump and Biden, I don't think any reporter in the White House briefing room ever was like, I'm really sorry, Mr. Trump. I'm just the messenger, but your numbers aren't good. Uh, just, I mean, that's just a cringe moment, well, right? Keep in mind, though, actually, now you think about it, Greg, like it's, you know, it, Biden said he didn't know. 
you know, anytime you're asking the president a question, there's an actual good chance he has no idea what you're talking about. He's never heard of this. <laughs> hey, what's this, Brent? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's a whole other issue, which we talked about last week and uh, we'll probably bring up again at some point, uh, perhaps sooner rather than later. Jim, uh, quite a start to the week. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thank you for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Also, uh, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.